Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. This is the show where we evaluate life, all things living and some dead, like the mummified monk of yesterday. And on the show, we like to uh, give you the tools, the ideas that you need to live everyday life. I mean, sure, we could just talk about politics day in and day out, but the reality is you have very little control over what uh, Bibi Netanyahu is going to do with uh, Barack Obama. They're fighting. Two cute leaders taking on each other. Do we need to send them to their own corner of the room? Yes, they need to listen to this show because this show, day in and day out, we give them the tools to get through this stalemate between... uh, Bibi, by the way, and Barack, two of the top names for your children. Bibi and Barack. I think that's <laughs> that the problem. Like, that sounds like a kindergarten class right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> totally true. Bibi, leave Barack alone. Mm-hmm. Barack, quit hitting Bibi. Ah, yes. Uh, anyway, um, that's the goal of the show is to give you the tools and to touch on the news, but also to go much deeper. And give you real-life examples. Today, by the way, we are going to be talking to the family whisperer. James. What? We're going to talk to the family whisperer. Do we have to whisper the entire show? It's, her book is called Family Whispering. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh, so she's okay. not. She doesn't whisper. No. So that is, that's like the horse whisperer, or the animal whisperer. Or dog, the dog whisperer. whisperer. Yes, yes. Hmm. James, do you whisper? Do you whisper to anything? Well, uh, sometimes I whisper to things. It to the knife thrower, whisperer. Yeah, yeah. How is? It's usually Madge. when I'm, How's I'm, Madge doing? Madge? Yeah. Oh, she's she's doing fantastic. Is she? Yeah. Madge, she's fantastic every day. So, uh, James is um, uh, soon to be engaged. Uh, Madge doesn't know that. Madge is his fiance to be. Yes, we're engaged to be engaged. Engaged to be engaged. Uh, James has yet to fill us in on her actual name. Yeah. But we have a confirmation that she is a real live human being. Mm-hmm. None of us. I have seen her or one who was playing her. <laughs> she, the, the, as far as you know, she's real. As far as I know, she's real. Yeah. I think I shook her hand. Maybe. Yeah. And, uh, which is great, she, uh, she's got eight fingers. Because mm-hmm. he bought her a knife set. And they are sharp knives. Because <sighs> it's high-quality knives. Yeah, they were incredible knives. Yeah. I mean, you, the guy that sold you the knives, you didn't, like, buy them in a store. Well, I didn't even buy them because they're demo knives. Oh. She She's buying them. I just I got her the I got her the knives. But the guy came to your house, knocked yeah. on your door. Yeah, yeah. Asked you if you'd like to buy some knives. It was about at 7.30 in the morning, and I was like, sounds great. And he did the Cutco. Ooh, I shouldn't name a brand. He did the test of the penny. There you go. He's going to cut a penny for it. Yeah, they weren't Cutco knives. No, they weren't. They they, they were another uh, There's another knife. door-to-door exactly. knife. Exactly. Yeah. And he cut a penny. He actually cut three in a stack. Wow. It was incredible. I had to get him. Did he cut a, a aluminum can? Yes. See, a can, okay. though, compared to a penny, easy. Come on. 
He ah. also cut a brass ingot. <laughs> really? Yep. He did the old ingot test. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy carrying around a whole backpack full of brass ingots. <laughs> brass ingots. It's a heavy bag. <laughs> hey, uh, did you guys hear the news about uh, a little update on inflate or deflate gate? No. What's well, the update? The update is the NFL never actually tested the PSI of each football. You're kidding me. What? Yeah. True fact. You've got to be kidding me. Ridiculous. So we've had an entire what? What do we call it? You this? mean initially when they outrage? They because never, because the, the footballs mm-hmm. come out from the team yeah. and the referee is supposed to test them and yeah. make sure that they're Actually they never came out. So this was done like in the locker room, I believe. Yeah. Well yeah, that's yeah. where it's, so it's, they, yeah. they they were they presented the balls, mm-hmm. but the precise PSI of each of the twelve football games that the Patriots have, that we've all been talking about. Yes. They were we will never know what they really were because the NFL didn't log the exact PSI of each football. So they could have started off at that pressure. Exactly. Jeez. You know? You, they they spent know. a whole week and a half I know. fighting about Give this. Give me a break. But here's the neat thing. Here's the neat thing. And this is this is a great example to all of us that you know, we don't have enough time to worry about everything. But we still have to worry about little things. So <sighs> the what they're now saying is we don't know. We know in the end after the complaints when they brought the balls in they were all underinflated, right? But the NFL is now saying that we will apply a low standard of proof to the deflate gate investigation, which simply means the NFL doesn't necessarily need an airtight case to conclude that the Patriots broke the rules. No, the NFL's just bungling this up again. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is just this reminds me of being a parent. When you caught your child uh, doing something wrong, but you had never really told them not to. They knew they shouldn't, yes. but we never checked on them before. Uh, I know. So I've done you, that. Did you clean your room? Because you're not going anywhere unless yeah. you clean your room. Yeah, and then you, and then you realize, oh, wait a minute. I didn't tell you. Yeah, and I didn't check if your room was clean exactly. before you left. Mm-hmm. And now we're just going to change the rules. But the, the neat thing I'm about sorry. it, I think, for all of us in listener land is we've been able to like expend a lot of energy thinking about this. Without knowing that little fact. Yeah. Which is, I believe, probably why the NFL is so slow to move on this. You think? Because if they had the data before and they found out there was a cheating situation and then they could apply the low standard, they'd have to do something before the case, before the game. But now that they kind of bungled it, guess what? Anyway, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Whatever. Whatever. It's just more. It's just more. Hey, uh, I got another one for you. You guys know... um, do you know Richard Sherman? I've Who doesn't know Richard Sherman? He's the mouthy uh, uh, corner, corner, Seahawks. corner for the Seahawks, but mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, he's, no, he's very good. Talk yeah. smack. He's really one of the best, I think. He smacks a ever. lot, yes. You know, his, his girlfriend, Ashley, is due to deliver their yes. first child sometime in February. Could happen. Could happen on Sunday. <laughs> what do you do? You know, I got you got to go to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Oh, hold it. Them's fighting words. You've got to deliver. You've got to be there for your baby's birth. You know what you do? <laughs> if you simple. were an astronaut in space, would you return? Yeah, of course. That's different. Because how that's, is that different? Well, that's hundreds of thousands of miles. So, he's he's thousands of miles, uh, at least about a thousand miles away. So instead, here's what you do. It's simple. You bring Ashley to the game. Oh, and you set her up in the locker room. You, you put her in a suite with the yeah, hospital bed and the sure. gynecologist oh, there. Not a, not a bad idea. I didn't think of the suite. There you go. 
but she could sit up in a suite. Or because it, well, then you've got the food and everything there. They have a training, so room. the nurses and the doctors can take part as well. Right. That would be an epic birth too. You, you Wouldn't know, it? The baby was Seriously. born at the Super Bowl. Yeah. But that's y- huge. But that's a great y- point. But make sure it's not during halftime. Well, yeah, you don't want to miss. Yeah, Katie you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Maybe that would actually induce. Labor. Oh, that's possible. <laughs> I might wheel. That's what you could do is wheel Ashley out. Maybe wheel be, her out and let her just I, watch Katie. I know Lenny Kravitz is going to join no, Katie Perry, so that'll you know. And there will be explosions. American Woman. He'll play American Woman. American well, Woman. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, again, as a, as a guy, I don't think you need to. But you have. I mean, just think about it. You got the nachos. Yeah. You got the you know the hot dogs. Maybe maybe there's even some like chicken wings. Uh huh. And and, and nice cold beverages there. Right. How many oh, women man. try to induce labor with other things? Like I mean, they're they're constantly trying I to know. find ways. What better way than the Super Bowl? But that would be. A, can you imagine what story that kid gets oh. to tell? I was born at the Super Bowl. Oh, that would be fantastic! And you could even have up on the jum- jumbotron like little Ashley in delivery moments. Oh yes, I mean of, of course proper. Like you're not well, going to take pictures. You should. It's be like taking. the kiss cam, isn't it? Sure. It's a lot like the kiss cam. It's the baby cam. Yeah. Because that's what some teams are doing now. They're doing a baby cam instead of a kiss cam. Hold up your baby. And the baby, yeah, you hold up your baby like the Lion King. (laughs) Richard Sherman could head up there and do that. (laughs) She just holds her baby up. It's beautiful. Well, you could either have the doctor do it if he's too busy down on the field, or Richard Sherman could just go. And, like, have updates. I think it's Exactly. Great. I mean, again, I'm not the producer of the Super Bowl. You, but but NBC has to bring in another sideline reporter just for yeah. that. But you know what you do? You get, like, Nancy Snyderman, a doctor. Exactly. There you go. Put her in there. There you go, from the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. NBC, NBC employee already. I'm telling you. Boom. Why do we have to think of everything? I don't know. Ah! We should be producing the Super Bowl. We're just a little show. On Sirius XM, and yet we're still producing the greatest event in television history. That's right. Richard Sherman's baby's birth. Anyway, we're here to please. Uh, hey, one more thing. Did okay. you guys hear? Talk about oops. Uh, did you hear about the pilot that got locked out of the cockpit? No. What? Yeah, so. I'm surprised I didn't hear about this so with my some, wife working for an airline. Some Delta Airlines Not that pilot. Airline, but... Again, by the way, Utah's a hub for Delta Airlines. Yes, so always make sure. When they open that door, they always yell, hey, don't forget your keys. But the Delta <laughs> Airlines pilot. Well, was it after? Because at a certain point, they locked the, no, they, the bulkhead they, no, door. They were locked. They okay. Were, he, he got out, though, and I think he had to use the restroom. Okay. And when he went back, they could, he was unable to reenter the cockpit door because the door wasn't – it wouldn't open. <laughs> now, they did, luckily, they didn't leave him – they didn't leave it empty. Okay. I mean, that would be bad. Well, you got, no, you have to have somebody in there yeah. at all times. So they had the co-pilot in there. Right. We'll, we'll call him Jimmy. Okay. So Jimmy's in there, and he the, the pilot's locked out, and, and he couldn't get back in. So Jimmy had to land the plane without a co-pilot. Jimmy could have fallen asleep. This was just Let's a, hope not. This was a flight, though, from uh, St. Paul to Las Vegas. Okay. So imagine you're sitting there, and you watch a few the pilot hours. come out, use the restroom, and he goes back in, and <laughs> he can't get in. <laughs> and then he has to get into one of those what's called a jump seat. Yeah. For well, landing. Oh, well, yeah. He's just sitting there next to the flight attendant. Mm-hmm. But can't you just see him, like, shaking the door? <laughs> <laughs> Let me in. Let me in. Jimmy. Jimmy. Hey. And then Jimmy, hey. Jimmy, hey. Had, to, Jimmy hey. had to do it all by. <laughs> Jimmy, unlock the door. Hey, okay. You move the stick forward. Have you, ever, have you ever locked your kid in the car and you're like, okay, push the button? <laughs> no, the push other button. The button. <laughs> 
Honk, honk. Give it some honk. gas. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what was going on. <laughs> Did he have to talk him through the landing yeah. through well, the that's door? What I'm thinking is like Jimmy's like, okay, okay. So about the landing gear. Okay. I just got yeah. one question about yeah. the landing Here's gear. Here's what you do. It's true. So I mean, you know, you think you had a bad day. You locked yourself out of your car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait till you lock yourself out of the cockpit. You're in trouble. <laughs> ah. Anyway, there's some headlines for you. Not a big deal. But this show's going to rock today. I can it already is. feel it. I think it's because it's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Yeah, James and Marmaduke are going to go out on a date tonight. That's going to be great. Lots of love. Lots of love, my friends. Uh, when we come back, Melinda Blau is going to be joining us. She's going to teach us about her new book, Family Whispering, and teach us about how to connect and relate to the people we love. You know, get more with each other. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are uh, we're taking on life, trying to create healthier, happier families, and uh, we're bringing in an expert who has written many, many books on your family, children, relationships, communication. Uh, great song, by the way. We are family from Sister Sledge. Aren't we all just really brothers and sisters? I don't know why she has to set herself apart that way. Sister Sledge, uh, Melinda Blau is going to be joining us now. Melinda is the author of the book uh, we found um, on, in an article online, and the name of the book is called "The Family Is Family Whispering." And uh, as far as books are concerned, I mean, you know, I love family tools, suggestions, anything I can get to help me improve my family as a father of six kids. But uh, this is one that I think um, has, has a really neat history of how it came together and how the book was written. Melinda uh, has a bachelor's degree in special education, but really spent most of her life as a journalist and r- has written a lot of books. In fact, she wrote a book with Ralph Nader. Um, the book was called To Buy or Not to Buy. And she just she likes writing. She's always enjoyed writing. And in 1999, she had written several books, and she met what, uh, what a person that people were calling the baby whisperer, Tracy Hogg, and, be, and, and, and she basically became Tracy's voice. She helped Tracy write and get these books out. So this person that worked really well with babies and had a lot of great ideas for the babies uh, combined her talents with Melinda, and then they went through more than a five-year collaboration that led to three best-selling books— the books were titled Secrets of the Baby Whisperer, Secret of the Baby Whisperer for Toddlers, and The Baby Whisperer Solves All Your Problems. Sadly, though, Tracy uh, left us. Left us. She passed away, uh, died in 2004, and uh, though she, she left a lot of great ideas f- with Melinda, and Melinda has brought those ideas out in the new book Family Whispering a decade later. We so appreciate you, Melinda. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. That really is, it's, it's a beautiful uh, relationship, it sounds like, that you had with Tracy. It was a very unusual one, and uh, when it came to writing this book, uh, sadly, Tracy was dying at that point, and we knew that the only place to go after, you know, 
people are desperate for information about their babies and toddlers, and they think, they think that's the hardest time. And although it is a very challenging period of parenthood, it is certainly not the most. In fact, you know, there's the old saying, big children, big problems. Right, right. And it gets much more complex. And so we knew that as much as people needed to know how to deal with their babies and toddlers, the biggest challenge of all to a parent is managing a family. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't even think of this as a parenting book. We thought of it as a a familying book. And, you know, it's interesting that you, uh, you resonated with the ideas and you have six children. Yeah. I find that many people don't realize how important the family is if they just have two kids. And they tend to be very, very focused on those two kids. When you have six children or even four children, you don't have the luxury of that laser focus on the child. Yeah, that's true, huh? And so um, I know in one of our emails, you, you asked me about shifting the focus. And this book is really about shifting the focus from the child to the whole family. Mm. And powerful, um, and really. I mean, that's a powerful it, shift for the child as well as for shift. the parents. And parents don't trust it. They, they think, no, but I have to parent these children. They're, I'm responsible for them. Mm-hmm. I need to guide them. And... This is true. Parents should be a guide. But when you lose sight of the whole, the whole unit, the family, of the mother and father's relationship, of the sibling's relationship, and you concentrate only on the child and what the child needs, you're really doing a disservice to each other as adults because yeah. it really hurts your relationship um, and to the children, because the laser focus does no good to them. Yeah. They think that they're the center of the <laughs> universe, right. and then the world tells them otherwise. And it really, in families where there are more family-focused, even the siblings get along better, because everyone feels that they're part of a, a bigger whole. Yeah. W-H-O-L-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that we have to all pull together for the family. And that helps... I mean, we're all involved in social relationships, teams, jobs. Right. Everything we do tends to be social in the end. Exactly. So what better place to learn that than inside that neat, it, tight little exactly institution? Right. And I always say that the family is a laboratory for for living. Yeah. We, we learn all the skills we need. The most important, of course, is relational or social skills, as you say. I mean— I always tell people, if there's nothing else you can do for your child, make sure they make eye contact with with another person, can talk to them, have social skills, because that more than anything, more than intelligence, more than luck even, helps you get through life. Is how do you define family? Because well, you know that it, even that's being redefined, and and I think even in healthy ways, right? And absolutely broader. I mean, I, Tracy and I thought of his family as any configuration of starting with one adult and one child. Mm. I mean, that's the beginning. Yeah, right. And and as we know today, it could be a step family. It could be a blended family where you have his and her children. It could be a family with two people at the helm that are of the same gender. Um, there are all kinds of family. It could be a grandmother raising. I know of one family, very poignant story of a grandmother Who's, her daughter was stricken with cancer and was too weak to m- raise the children. And 
at almost 60, she continued to raise the children for her daughter. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there are intergenerational families all living under the same roof. And then there are what I called, because I wrote a book about this many years ago, there are families apart where you have two adults in two different households parenting the same groups of kids or changing varieties of children. So these are all families. And one of the challenges of this book was, one, to incorporate the principles of baby whispering that I learned from Tracy, which is about tuning in and really treating everybody with respect and seeing everyone as an individual. With the current research, and we've learned so much more about what makes a good family, what is good parenting, what are good couples' relationship. So all of that has been you know, included in this book. It's a lot. Yeah. And, and sometimes I imagine some people picking this up in the bookstore and going, Oh, I don't know if I can get through this. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know what, Melinda? It's, um, it, I think it's so needed, which is why we wanted you on the show. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want you to get into the whispering part. Teach us about what that tuning in, that attunement is. Maybe even start teaching us what are some things that we can do to tune in and become a, a, you know, a more functional, healthy, attuned family. Great stuff, my friends. Learning about your family and how to connect and commune with each other. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. My Father's Eyes by Eric Clapton. Again, it's, it's really a perfect example. Eric Clapton loses one of his kids in a tragic accident in New York. And how else do you get through that but as a family? And connection and communication. We talk about it a lot on the show. When life just throws you curveballs, it'd be great to know that you can go back to your family and that you have a place that you could be heard, have your voice heard, and find yourself that's why we're talking with the uh, author today, Melinda Blau, uh, who, you know, in in concert with Tracy Hogg, uh, wrote the book Family Whispering, uh, the baby whispers, common sense strategies for communicating and connecting with the people you love and making your whole family stronger. Melinda Blau, welcome back to the show. Hi. Thank you. Teach us about uh, whispering and attuning um, and tuning in. Talk about, because a lot of us haven't read uh, those earlier books that you wrote, like The Child mm-hmm. Whisperer and things. Just give us kind of an update of what the whispering concept is and uh, maybe start teaching us how we can start using it with our children. Right. And and, and with each other, by yeah. the way. Oh, exactly. I All mean, that, that's one of the very important things about this book is that, for example, we have a chapter here on relationships, which really, that's where you... you, you use the skills of tuning in. So with a baby, for example, a newborn comes into the world, baby whispering involves tuning in, seeing who that child is, watching his movements very carefully, slowing down before you rush in to to pick him up, listening to the cries, uh, trying to get to know that little tiny person. Mm. Um, And and the earlier baby baby whisperer books were 
there weren't cookie cutter recipes for dealing with babies. It was teaching you how to tune in. And family whispering now widens the lens and says, okay, what about our children? Who are they really? I mean, so often you hear a parent, the kid says, I don't want to do that. And the parent says, yes, you do. You just don't realize how much fun it's going to be. Yeah. Quiet. Sure you do. Get your coat on. It's true, though, isn't it? But, you know, we do the same thing to our our partners. That's right. And coworkers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, right. and coworkers. We, we don't. We just. It, we don't. It, it, it's almost like you're teaching us an art. It's, it's kind of a subtle, nuanced feel. Right. Very sensory. I noticed that you talked about use your eyes, use your ears, dec- watch the energy that you're bringing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's powerful. And so the first part of a good relationship is to know yourself. I yeah. mean, this is something very, very important. So. You, if you know your trigger points, for example, there are some people that take a no much harder than others. Oh, you bet. <laughs> and if you know that about yourself and you think about how it works in a relationship, if you can't hear no, you're going to be in trouble no matter whether the person on the mm-hmm. other end is an adult or a child. Um, so and true. as you say, a relationship or uh, a relation or a coworker. Mm-hmm. So if you know yourself, and you can – one of the things I say, and I think it's probably one of the most profound and easy things in the book – well, not so easy to remember. But if you take – a lot of this is about slowing down. Yeah. And if you take a second, it really is a millisecond, before you say or do anything and say to yourself, is this going to help the relationship? Mm. It will teach you to pay attention to not say things that you can never take back and to think what's going to do what's going to help so when that child or your partner says no i don't i don't like war movies i'm not going to i'm not going to that movie so do you say well you always you never right. go to anything i yeah. wanted to or or stop being a brat if it's a child that kind of thing is going to hurt the relationship if you say tell me more about you how you feel or how can we work on this together it's, it takes no more time. In fact, arguing ends, it takes much more time you bet. And, and really is painful. So, so that's one of the, the, the best tricks I know for, for monitoring yourself. And you're not asking for an hour of you know, evaluation no. and self-awareness. No, no. But one I'm second, just saying, one aware. question. That's right. Right. A lot of this is about mindfulness. In our third book, in the, um, in the problem-solving book, mm-hmm. we talked about... PC parenting, which talked about being patient and conscious. Hmm. And it's the same with your family. You need to be patient and you need, and a big part is accept that the other person thinks differently than you. I mean, I talk in the book about finding the sweet spot about what's reasonable hmm. because we don't know. So um, some of the things I I say it is reasonable to expect children to accept responsibility appropriate for their age. Yeah. Um, It is reasonable to to express your needs to your partner or your parent. It's not reasonable for you to be the only one with needs. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, On your time frame, in this moment, right, yeah. You know, the the book is filled, and I'm not just trying to sell the book. There's just so much in here. Another interesting um, uh, sort of uh, strategy that we talk about is the tell yourself the truth mantra. And this, again, 
comes back to knowing yourself and and realizing your own motivations. You know, do you want your child to to go to baseball even though he's on the floor saying I hate it, I keep sitting on the bench because you wanted to play baseball? Oh, that's because true. you think he needs team you know, team experience and yeah. if so is that the only way? So one of the things I say when you get into any difficult spot, whether it's just in your own head and you start worrying about something, or you're in the midst of an argument, I say, call a timeout. Go into your, and, and you can do this with a child as old, as young as four, and say, Mommy, Daddy is very angry right now, or very upset, and so are you. I think we need to just take a break for a few minutes. So I'm going to go to my room and I'm going to take a hot bath. Mm. Or I'm going to read, or yeah. I'm going to take a walk around the block. Assume there's somebody else in the house. You do something, and maybe you can make some suggestions. What can you do to calm down? Yeah. And I hope it's not playing a video game, but often that's often it. nowadays it is. Huh? It is okay. So then you go off into your separate corners, and you, the adult, or you at that moment, the conscious person in the adult relationship, you do the tell yourself the truth mantra, and you say, you look around you. You say, what's happening? And you look at what happened before. You, you ask yourself, has this happened before? Is this something that always happens? Just look at the facts as if you're an investigator and then tell yourself the truth about it. And so what you might see is, you know what? We get into this every time. This is the same old argument. And then you make a choice to do something. You could do anything. Right. Just do something different. Do something so about the truth. Go, right. 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 That you found. Yeah. Exactly. Do something. Act on it. Do something that you don't normally do. Because what we do is we get into habits with people, especially family members. The relationships are often very, very habitual because we do the same thing every day. We wake up with them. You know, you need to break the patterns sometimes. Yeah. And so... Even if the doing, if the thing that you do is quote wrong or it quote doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You're at least not stuck in the same old place. Well, and especially if you're thinking, like, what I, I always ask, like, what part of this problem am I? And, exactly. And then you can even ask, what part of the problem that I that I'm that I know that I am? What's the truth here? Like, I, right. if my child started crying on the floor, I'd want him to go to baseball simply because I don't want to have to call the coach. Right. In the right. shame of my having my son not want and to come to baseball. And you to admit that. <laughs> well, but then I would then basically take him kicking and screaming even if he doesn't want to and but the sad thing about it is um so my truth is, you know, I might operate more out of shame or mm-hmm. out of embarrassment instead of being real. Like what right. I love about this is you're just saying connect and be real. And right. and be and it's almost it's almost it's kind of it's a subconscious level, it's a spiritual level, absolutely. And in in a way, we don't work on that spiritual stuff, that spiritual level with our kids. We just kind of work on the trans transactional level. You're going right because we think we have to. We think parenting has become this thing where we act on our kids. Mm. It wasn't always this way, and, and and part of the problem with this acting on kids is. The flip side is that we don't give them credit for anything. We don't realize how capable they are right. because we're always telling them what to do. I mean, kids nowadays, there's this whole free-range movement of, 
I'm sure you've heard about it. If, you know, we don't give kids a chance to go outside and play by yeah. themselves and not allowed to ride Sorry. around the corner. Do you remember? I know. Okay. And, but the, but the, the real tragedy of this is that kids are being held back. Um, I, I love to tell this story. When I, when, when I was growing up, I always used to hear about my grandmother who came over from Russia when she was nine years old with a, on a boat by herself across oh. the Atlantic to meet relatives on the other side. How well, old was she? Well nine? Strangers. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. At nine. Yeah. She then was sent the next day. She went to work in one of those factories that you see in Jacob Oh, Reed's my heavens. Yeah, yeah. She earned enough money to bring her entire family from Russia to the United States. Unbelievable. Now, nine-year-olds haven't changed. The culture has changed. Right. I, would, I don't suggest we send our kids out to work yeah, at night. Child labor is not quite what it used to be. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but, I but, do, but the, I the do character behind it. Middle ground. That's right. And, and that's a lot. There's a lot of information about this book about what I call turning the family into a co-op where the adults are directors because they make the policy, as in any co-op sure. enter, uh, enterprise or venture. But everyone, including the adults and the children, are members. And so, therefore, everyone has responsibility and everyone gets the benefits. The oh. way most families are run today, the children get the benefits and the, all the responsibility falls on the parents. That's right. And then we're micromanaging. We're, we have to make sure we get their you know, science fair project done. Exactly. We're, we're more worried about their grades than they are. I mean, in almost exactly. every, and, and I guess we used to think that that was just commonplace. But no, when a nine-year-old girl comes from Russia to the United States and changes uh, an entire family's life, right? that wasn't forced and coerced. It was character. Right. And, Powerful. you know, we tend in the news, you'll see an exception. Recently, the seven-year-old that who, the, the, what a tragedy, the plane crash. Oh, yeah. The whole family oh, was I know. Killed. Yeah. Okay. So this seven-year-old, we're talking now even a younger child, yeah. had the wherewithal to walk in the dark under horrible conditions to, to have, she was lucky too, because she didn't run into anybody that was unsavory. But, you know, the truth is we now live in the most safe times for children than we've ever lived, despite oh, all yeah. the news oh, yeah. stories. So she had the wherewithal to find this person, to get help, to say, my family is dead. Mm. And we're afraid to, 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 we turn off the TV when there's a shooting in a school because we don't want our right. kids to know. And yeah. we think they don't know, but of course they do. They do know. And, and they know even other things that are going on in their school that we don't even know about. Exactly. That's exactly. It. That's why we got to get into more it. more about life than we realize, and they can do more. So, so I have... Um, a whole chapter about what normally is called chore wars. There's yeah. actually two chapters, one about running the family as a co-op and then dealing yeah. with chore wars, which we all know who's going to do what and yeah. what time schedule In and fact, how are they going to do it. Let's do this, Melinda. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want you to discuss chore wars and I want you to figure out and you know teach us how we can get into the hearts and minds of our children and empower them and believe them and understand that they have this value, and then get their chores done. More with Melinda Blau and her book, Family Whispering, up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matt Townsend Show. 
Today we're talking about how to get into the heart of your family, your children, those even those around you. I mean, this isn't a skill that you can only do at home. Understanding the uh, the intention, the heart, the feelings of another person is it's 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 an inherently um, it's essential valuable tool that we all need in our lives. And so we, we've asked Melinda Blau to join us. She uh, is is a journalist, has written many, many books. And uh, over the years in her work, she found a friend. Uh, and, and together, Tracy Hogg and Melinda Blau have been writing books uh, about uh, the baby whisperer. And Tracy was the baby whisperer. She had all of these tools to uh, to basically to, to teach us about how to get into the heart of another person, starting with the baby, eventually toddlers, and uh, now families. Sadly, Tracy passed away in 2004, and uh, Melinda has been continuing on the, dis- the, the discussion and being the voice for the group and um, also is uh, had to finish the book Family Whispering on her own. Melinda Blau, welcome back to The Matt Townsend Show. Thanks. I have to tell you one funny thing yeah. is that I unwittingly now have become the family whisperer. Oh, yeah. Because I have a column on Huffington Post where I answer people's questions. That's it. And they said we would like to call it Dear Family Whisperer. So. <laughs> but you know what? You, now you, but see, that's the full circle. If, you, if, you're, yeah. if you're with somebody as talented as Tracy is and was, you, you've, you've gained those skills. I mean, that's what's great about this. It's really, it's gifts. It's skills that you can go learn and master, and now you've got it. Right. I also have spent a lifetime researching relationships. Yeah. They've always fascinated me. So, so and that's the key here yeah. is, is, is relationships. How do we uh, – okay, so help me with this. When I have a relationship with my children and then I also have an obligation and they have an obligation to get some chores done, how, mm-hmm. do, we, how do we start to move the family toward results like chores, duties, mm-hmm. responsibilities, and keep the relationship intact? Okay. Well, first of all, one of the kind of uh, subversive things I suggest, and this is not just semantics, is stop calling them chores. Yes. Chores Great. are something that parents assigned, assign. Ro- I call them roles because in the family, you need many roles. You need a sweeper. You need a dishwasher. You need a dog walker, a dog feeder, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a scheduler. Often a lot of this, and I'm not casting any uh, aspersions here, Matt, often a lot of, in a lot of families, most of the organizing and the remembering and the noticing falls on mom's shoulders. You bet, you bet. Okay. So So true. And then what we get is, a typical situation is, mom takes it and takes it, or she yells about it, but often women take it a long time until they get so exhausted that they then explode at their husband. (laughs) And they say, you still didn't call the plumber. Why is this living room such a mess? Why can't you hang up your coat? You know, and then it it escalates. And at worst, it it becomes a very polarizing thing. And there's arguments always over who does what. Now, in this whole scenario, in this progression of chore wars, no one thinks to say, what about the kids? They may assign chores. They may say, oh, you're responsible for your bed. You have to make your bed in the morning, mm-hmm. which in most kids means pulling a comforter up. Right. Okay. Uh, or they may say to them, you always have to clear the table. And, and 
in some families, there are more uh, onerous chores. But in most families, parents are not asking the kids to do much, and they don't even associate chore wars with the fact that the kids aren't doing anything either. Mm. It's always about the other partner. Yeah. And by the way, this happens in same-gender relationships as well. Yeah, so it's that's interesting. So it's not a male-female. It's just it's a familial no, it's more thing. more of a yeah. personality thing. Yeah. There's always someone who sees more, always someone who's quicker to act. So you'll get, yep, yeah, I said I'd do the dishes, <laughs> and that's an hour after get dinner. Get off my back. Yeah. Right, and the other partner would have washed them immediately because that's how he or she does it. Right, right. So it's not just gender. And one of the things I talk about in the book is the ability to step out of your gender role. Hmm. But let me get back to the, the chore wars issue. So if we call them roles and we sit down as a family and say, what do we need to run this household? How, how, does, how does it happen? And maybe start with just a particular time of day. Say, how, how do we get out of the house in the morning? And then with the kids make a list and they may they may remember things that, and notice things that you didn't so they may say you know pack lunches make breakfast uh get book bags ready sign papers okay that's a lot we can't just put, put that on no one person should be responsible let them pick chores that they want to do even mm. four-year-olds can help with the cooking they can set the table two-year-olds can set yeah. the table and you i call it roll doling and you don't stay in the same role all at once. You keep meeting and you keep saying, what do we need to do? Who's going to do the garbage this week? And some, jo- and some jobs nobody wants to do. So maybe you split them up between two kids or an adult and a kid. Or if the trash is too heavy for a younger child, you split that job. Um, there's, there's all sorts of creative ways to do it. But the bottom line is... Kids know the difference when they're being asked to do busy work than when they're really contributing to the family. Yeah. So my grandmother at nine knew she had a really important role. And I'm not suggesting we send kids off to Europe, but if they always know the difference. I remember one day I was sitting with, um, I'm a grandmother already. Oh, wow, great. And I was sitting with my then six-year-old grandson, and it started to rain. We were sitting outside in my daughter's house, and there are these heavy tarp covers that have to go on the chairs. Mm-hmm. And I said, Sammy, will you help me? And he kind of like, mm, you know, <laughs> sort of turned his back to me. And I said, Sammy, I really need your help. I didn't beg him. I didn't manipulate him. I just told him the truth. I said, they're very heavy. He turned around. His whole face changed. He helped me do the whole thing. And he felt great afterwards yeah. because he, I was being authentic. I yeah. was not manipulating him. Yeah. He knew it. And so he wanted to help. And he could respond and it was, and then he got the benefit of it being his choice, his idea, his response. Exactly. Exactly. Powerful. He was really pitching in for the greater good. And kids really love that. And it makes them grow. It makes them more competent. It makes them more confident. The heart. And, You're talking about the heart, really. You're you're trying to motivate by whispering, I guess, and getting to their heart versus kind of yelling and getting to their fears. I guess right. this would this would also exactly. eliminate a lot of fear. Absolutely, because you know you don't uh, you don't ask, um, for example, a five year old 
to to work on some kind of woodworking project that requires a hammer and a saw. Right. But you might give him something even at three, handing you nails so he can watch. That's a job. Mm-hmm. That's a role. Daddy's helper in the you know making this box. This say it's a flower box. And then you could let them paint a little. And then as they get older, they, they can use a knife and yeah. a saw and a... And progress you know, into progress, something bigger. exactly. Hey, I let mean, me ask... Hear, oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was just going to no, say, let me... I was just going to say, sometimes I will hear parents saying, oh, but I'm afraid to let them do it. And I yeah. talk about it as you rehearse children for change. Mm. You give them little bits that they can do. You don't throw them into yeah. the deep end. You don't hand them you a knife. You the shallow end. Right. But you rehearse it. Um, yeah. I, I love that. Uh, we have about one minute. And okay. what I want to know, Melinda, is, is in all of your writings with Tracy and just everything you're learning and what you've learned about the family whispering book, what's the one thing that you say is the biggest thing? What's the one thing we just, if we could keep it to one simple idea, what would that be? I think I have to re- repeat what I said before, which is before you say or do anything, ask yourself, is this good for the relationship? I love that. That's a great way to think about it. I think that's also, it's it's just that little space, isn't it? It's just that little space. Yeah, it does. And and that applies to whether it's chore wars or siblings, yeah. you know, it, to everything. Yeah. So, um, well, Melinda. And I thank you. I, I, I'm always happy when someone is enthusiastic about this idea because I know it's such an important idea. Oh, it truly is. And I think it's it's the root of humanity and the spirit and change and health. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate your work on those books and, uh, and keeping Tracy's uh, memory, memory alive as well. That's very powerful. Folks, and please tell people to send me, or I'm telling people, send me questions yeah. on the Huffington Post. Just Google Melinda Blau or Fam- Dear Family Whisper, and you'll, fig- you'll come there to you the go. columns, and you can send me questions. I it's love a, to answer people. You bet, and it's a great resource, Melinda. Thank you very much. Everybody, go, uh, go to the Huffington Post and look for the Family Whisperer there. Also, go check out uh, her book. You'll find it on Amazon. You'll find it all over the place. This is uh, it's good reading, my friends. You can't spend enough time learning about your family. We'll take a break. And uh, come back, continue this wonderful discussion, more learning about life and about uh, love when we come back. Some ideas for Valentine's Day and how to keep the love alive. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, the second hour of fun and enlightenment. Right, James? Sure thing. <laughs> wow. He's giddy. This uh, this is the show where we try to give you the tools to get through the crazy thing called life. I mean, sure, we could just continue the great debates of the world. You know? M&Ms with peanuts, without peanuts. Mm-hmm. The world is flat. Is it? <laughs> The world is flat. We can go back to that one. That's the great, <laughs> that the meaning of life would be another great debate. Yep. Or what we like to do on the show is just get into the tools that you need, the rules, the ideas. And one of the things that uh, I wanted to focus on in this little coaching corner, because we're, 
we we have a big holiday coming up. In fact, some would say one of the greatest, uh, the great holiday of St. Valentine's, where a naked uh, cherub-like baby shoots arrows, heart-shaped arrows, into the hearts of lovebirds all over. Sounds fantastic. It actually sounds a little creepy. Yeah, really, and deadly. It's a lot creepy. I mean, like, if you're going to design a holiday, you don't want it to be a creepy cherub (laughs) that shoots you with an arrow. (laughs) Seriously, who came up with that? Just like, there's a naked baby shooting arrows at people. Did you guys see that baby? That baby shot an arrow at me. (laughs) It's love. (laughs) Like a baby shooting an arrow. That baby... Uh, it's weird. So instead of just, you know, saying the best way to keep your marriage alive is let's get you flowers and shoot arrows. Chocolate. And chocolate. You know, you can get your spouse chocolate any day. True. You can get her flowers any day or him. Totally true. Have you ever received flowers? Never. Would you want to? If I receive something from my wife, I will appreciate it. Oh, my heavens. That was beautiful. Thank you. Oh, you're full of it. <laughs> that is so not true. No, 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 no. Because I know you, if she gave you a uh, hey, okay, I, I have, I have, I have a personal holiday coming up. Yes, you do. Yes, well, let's call it. It's not a holiday. Uh, yeah, it it's is. a sesquicentennial. It's <laughs> is that is that half a year? Is that what it is? It's half a century. Yes. It's half a century. Yes. Is, it, is that really called? And a the whole the whole nation. <laughs> I think that's 150, actually. It is. I yeah, need, I, I, bicentennial. What's a, it's a bicentennial. Oh, that's every 200. Oh, we've got to figure two? out what oh, that's okay. called because let's start calling – let's not even call it your birthday. Let's just call it <laughs> – Okay. But it's – but the whole nation's celebrating because yeah. it does happen to fall on the – On your birthday. You know, they're they're holding a football game. Katy Perry's going to be oh, performing. Man. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Richard Sherman's wife may deliver. That's right. On the Jumbotron. It's great. So – but, but anytime my wife gives me something, I appreciate okay. it because she thought about it. Okay. Okay. Let me help you with that. So if your wife brought you um, nose hair clippers mm-hmm. for your sesquicentennial, yep. you'd be like, oh, thanks Thank for you think- for that. Thanks for noticing. I don't know that I won't. Y- I, well, I already have some, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> what if it was a tie-dye belly shirt? Ooh. You mean like a half shirt? Yeah. Well, With like ripped sleeves, because mm. I, 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 that's hot. I would catch the message. I think. <laughs> what What is the message? The, me- the message seems. <laughs> well, obvious. that's a private message between my wife and I. <laughs> but I will interpret it. It's the message. Hey, babe. Let's go dancing tonight. Mm-hmm. And where I'm sure I'm sure Abba's action. dancing queen would be playing in the background <laughs> as I open it. Or I'm going back to uh, Claw Claw Bangs. Claw Bangs. Claw bangs. So, so so that's great. I think that was beautiful what you said. Now. Um, you don't believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, but you would. You would. You actually would. I could see you be nice and receive the gift. I receive the tie dye half shirt with grace. Mm-hmm. Now, James, on the other hand, James, you see, Sean has been in his marriage for thirty, forty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it's it'll be eighteen in April. Okay, eighteen but okay. years, close to thirty or forty. Felt years. like thirty or forty. <laughs> I hope Cindy's not listening. But you, James, have only been in your relationship how long? Five months. Five, Almost six. Five cherub arrow shooting months. Mm-hmm. But see, here's the cool thing. What you're doing right now for five months, you've got to remember 
15 years from now. Because what you're doing right now would dramatically increase the likelihood of making your marriage in 15 years last, especially if you marry uh, Moira, 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 what's her name? Moira? Moira. Yeah. Yeah. So if you marry her, in in 15 years, you may have lost some of that, you know, excitement. Mm-hmm. So you have to go back to what you used to do. Okay. Because what we used to do 15 years ago. So I've been married, I think, 25 yeah, years. Yeah, I, I remember the dating phase. Do you guys still do that? And there's, you guys still we do. do a lot of that. We do. Probably not as often as we should, but right. we do. And that's I'm what, hoping we go out tonight. Well, you you mean you and I? Well, I don't know. My, I, my wife tonight. and I, I think. Okay, I just yeah. thought you were talking about me because um, you were looking at me that way. And I thought, <laughs> wow. But you uh, you guys do the fun things that – We try, yeah. And that's what keeps the marriage alive. So, so many of us, when we have a, a child, did you know that – do you know what the um, – the, where your marriage bottoms out? Do you know what age your your children are if you have children? Do you know where you bottom out in the marital satisfaction? I'm going to guess toddler. Yeah, a little above toddler. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four. Well, it, but it would really be more a little above your last toddler. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, But your first toddler, you're still lower than you've ever been. Uh-huh. Because kids don't necessarily correlate to high marriage satisfaction. They correlate to high family satisfaction. Which is, is funny because, is I mean, a lot of people get married so they can have kids. No. And, but see, that's great because family satisfaction's off the chart, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. But so the actual, the charting of your marital satisfaction looks like a big smiley face. You're really happy when you're in James and Marmaduke stage. But as you get lower and you start having kids over time, your happiness drops until it bottoms yes. out. And then once, <laughs> the your last la- child. once your last child leaves, it starts to get better. Ooh. Isn't that wild? That's marital satisfaction. But it, I, don't, I, don't, I, I think it's totally logical. It is logical. It is. It, but it, it is. Just... But we always want to believe that working on our family means our marriage is stronger. Not true. Um, Different things. Yeah, they are. But your marriage within the family can be, you can do, you can still, yeah. You but you have to focus on your yeah. family. Yes, you know, it's like it's kind of like saying, well, our family does a lot of fun exercising, but that doesn't mean you're healthy. Mm-hmm. You have to be healthy. Yeah, you have to go do stuff. So, anyway, a little advice, James. Uh, tell us a few things because I need you to give us advice. Tell us some things. This is everyone out in listener land. You tell us, James, what keeps you and Marmaduke just so in love. Well, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is the feeling of support for each other. Just mm. that, and that feeling is unlike any other. Just knowing that we're on the same team. That's right. And every single day, we we like we find out what each other's doing in our lives, and we encourage each other. Yeah, you're curious still. Yeah, you encourage each other. I bet you call. I bet you. I bet you send some gushy email or text in the morning. That's like so many gushy. Hey, Marmaduke. Love you, Marmaduke. Love ya. you so much. You show energy. You you kiss her when you're there. You do exciting dates. Yep. You make stuff with your knives. And when we're saying goodbye, it, um, we kind of get into that back and forth. Like, I love you, and no, I love you please. more. I love, I love you, you more. Yeah. No. I love you most. Well, I yeah. love you most, Rur. And we start making up words. See, which is different because, like, in Sean's marriage, it's like, I love you. And she's like, better. <laughs> yeah. I heard, yeah. Heard that. If you love me, you vacuum. Duh. Yeah. So we got to get no, back. Clean so, the toilet. But that's, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, look what you've got to look forward to, James. Woo-hoo. So we all, this is the key. 
We have to get our relationships back to the stage of James and Marmaduke. Have a love oh, battle. Yeah. How do you do that? You do exactly what he said. Show support. You stay to- curious. Call. Stay in contact. Touch, touch, touch. And kiss long into the night. You have to go back to the dating phase, right? Yeah, you got to date again. Yep. So you got to get back in your marriage. And the cool thing is don't let your kids steal it. They're, the kids are great. That's great. They're cool. We love that. And they can't steal your love. Here, here, here's the key to a happy marriage. What? Go to Disneyland with just your spouse. Really? Really. But get your vaccines first. Go ah, great point, James. By the way. But seriously, it is a totally different experience than when you take the whole family. It's a great advice. Go to Disneyland, stay curious, and get vaccinated. <laughs> Key It'll to love. save your marriage. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, uh, one of our great contributors, Hadge, Heather Ann Johnson, is going to come uh, enlighten us about how to work with our children, how to keep them you know, focused with traditions and, and family dinner. Great stuff like that. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Little Simon and Garfunkel. Nothing says home more than homeward bound. These guys, I'm telling you. Mm, this right here. Pump it up just a bit there, James. Mm. You feeling it? Mm-hmm. Listen to that mandolin playing in the back. Is that a mandolin? I think that's a guitar. Okay. I'm just glad it's not a cat and a dog talking to each other. Great point. Thank you. Don't know where it came from. That's the name of Homeward Bound. Oh, movie. Oh, the movie. Again, you. you went right to a movie. Thank you. See, but some of us don't see every movie, Sean. Hey. Anyway, we don't want to steal any more of Heather's time. True. <laughs> Heather Ann Johnson's here, a.k.a. Hadge. You're soaking in it. Uh, is joining us. <laughs> We've been waiting for one week to do that, Heather. But, Heather, we got to get you. Let's get you. <laughs> let's get you in here. Heather is a BYU professor. She's been teaching families how to have a healthier, happier life. She Go to her website, familyvolley.com. She's written a book, Family Fun Fridays, soon to be releasing Family Fun Monday through Thursday, uh, and the greater known Family Fun Saturday, and celebrating the Sabbath with the family. <laughs> There's no Family Fun Weekend? No. Oh. But there will be. Okay. We're working on it. Hadge, welcome to the show. Thanks. So we, we have spent hours putting together a few sounds we wanted you to hear. Oh, great. We've already showed you one of them, or had you know played one of them. James, why don't you go through a few more of them? You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. <laughs> You're soaking in it. Yeah. I think I like number two. Yeah, number two. Number two. You like the tone, it was tonal upbeat. quality of that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. We call you Hadge after Madge, the great uh, nail uh, engineer. What do they call them? It was an advertisement Manicurist. for Manicurist. Manicurist. Yeah. For soap. For dishwashing Paul, soap. Palmolive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But she was a manicurist or a nail uh, artist. artist, and we named you after her. Well, thank you. Because? An icon. I'll, I'll just keep remembering I- she's well, an you, icon. Well, you're the new icon. There we go. And we like the fact that when Heather comes, you give us so much information that we get to soak in it. There you go. You're soaking in it. 
Was that number two? That I, he, he doesn't know. <laughs> he can't count that high. Um, he can. He just doesn't because it's, it's just busy. So, uh, Hadge. Yes. You have kids. We, I do. My husband and I do. We have five. Five. Five kids. Gifts from heaven. Get, absolutely. And yet, have you? I don't know if you've noticed this in your family. Um, they're different. Very different. And have you ever noticed they're not quite like you? Yes, which is a big adjustment because you think they will be. That's right. And if they're not like you, you think they'll be like your husband mm-hmm. or your spouse. And when they're not either of that, you kind of feel a little well. Then you wonder, like, to dry. where yeah. did they come from? Right. <laughs> then you have to blame the in-laws. Right. Right. right? But so how, what are we supposed to do with our kids? Because you always try to keep us calm. And again, every Melinda was talking about that in the earlier segments. But we we also talked about the fact that when we get married, we're always excited. We love life. Then we have these kids, and the kids kind of take away marital satisfaction. Right, right. And yet, you know, you need to grow a family, and you need to grow a marriage. So how do we handle the differences and stay unified? Sure. Well, the first thing we want to think about is the fact that building unity doesn't start as soon as there's differences. So we, we don't want to hit ourselves, find ourselves in a position where all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, we don't agree right now. Yeah. And then it's, oh man, we sure should have strengthened our relationship before we got here. Yeah, it's almost, it's kind of too late. It is. It's, it's a little bit. And so, you know, listening, regardless of the stage your family is in, start right today, even if things are great and no one, you know, differs on anything and start building your relationship stronger. And, and it, I guess it doesn't have to be a relationship around the difference. Just no. any, re- any strengthening of your relationship right. will help you maximize your ability to handle the difference. Uh, it's exactly right. So, cool. And we're not even looking at the differences. We don't know what they will be. We can't foresee what they might be all mm-hmm. the time. It doesn't matter. If we're strong today and grow strong every day, then when a difference hits, we have a foundation and it's impenetrable. So then, you know, we can get pounded on and drop. That's right. And it, it stands strong, right? I love that. So we've got to recognize, oh, you know, it's it's not a troubleshooting when trouble hits. We've got to be strong before the trouble hits is what we're trying to do. It's so cool because then every single thing you've ever done with your family, every victory, every game, everything right. is now there and it can converge in this moment to help you deal with this difference. It's exactly right. And we have this idea in families that family relationships are linear, which means A always causes B, yeah. which causes C. Which is a misnomer. That is not how relationships work. They are very circular. So the decisions we do make or the differences we do express are based upon what happened when we were five Mm -hmm. and when we were 15 and memories we have from last week and how we feel about the future. That's a very circular situation. Well, you're not going – yeah. And circular I always think of as kind of eternal too. I mean it's – that's why it's such a – that's why the relationships matter so much because they don't go away. Right, right. And yet – we get so caught up in that one little thing that we think just is derailing everything, and yet the relationship can still exist through whatever event. Right. And and all those past experiences in all different facets and fashions and situations are what will then help us get through. It's why we've got to build as we go yeah. so that we're strong once we get there. Love it. The other thing that's really interesting that we love to say in our house is when it comes to differences in your family, it's time to take the shock value out of it. <laughs> It's so funny. You know, we we get in these situations and we're surprised that we might not agree on something. Why are we so surprised, right? We're different people. We grew up in different places. We've seen different things. And now we've come together to make that work. Now, hopefully, we have enough of the same values that, you know, we can do that. But it doesn't mean every situation we'll always agree. Why are we surprised about that? That's right. The surprise becomes paralyzing. 
And so once we're hit with that surprise, we are so caught off guard by what? what? We don't agree. Or our 12-year-old, he doesn't like what I said. He disagrees. Yeah. That, that we're, we can't move. And so we can't see <laughs> yeah. solutions or how to strengthen relationships or how to work through differences because we're stuck. We're still surprised by being surprised. It, right. <laughs> it's like. Why? It, like, like how many kids have run away? Like, I'm out of here. Right. And they leave. And everyone knows they'll be back in an hour. It's exactly right. And they know. <laughs> but they've thrown it out as this major shocking moment. So take take the shock value out of it. Instead of being caught off guard and being hit by that paralysis that keeps us from really seeing our family as people with hopes and dreams like we do and working together, right. recognize, you know what? There's going to be things we disagree on. There's going to be slight differences in how we implement values. Or That's okay. That's what family life is. And then you can go ahead and work through it. That is, that's, I mean, just to think about that. Now, how do you do it? Because emotionally, there's something about us that likes the surprise value. I mean, what is it? What is it that keeps us wanting the shock value? Because it keeps happening. Well, lots of times that paralysis or that shock value enables us to stay where we are instead of changing. When we stay where we are, it allows us to blame everyone else. Yeah, that's great. Instead of saying, whoa, I better look at myself and see how I contribute to this situation instead of I do contribute. What can I do to make it better for our family situation? Yeah. And so oftentimes if we can hang on to that shock value long yeah. enough, it, it exonerates us. It you know punctuates everyone else. It, it lets us place So may- maybe being shocked is just another sign that you're, you're still guilty. Right. We're being a little selfish, yeah. right? We're thinking about ourselves. You're keeping of, that trap there. Right, right. Which, again, keeps us from having to change. Change is hard. Oh, it's and admitting, so hard. Admitting we contribute is hard, and mm-hmm. so we avoid it. We avoid those things. Well, especially when you're so much more mature right. than these broken, <laughs> you know, course. little nubile children. Right. Or, you know, unfortunately, we, we use that against our spouse a lot where we so want to, true. you know, blame and those types of things. I, you, I cannot believe you said that. Right, right. Yeah, it is so rude. And, and then we remember that, and it's, like, so shocking, and it's like, well, he said it four times last year. Right. <laughs> well, and that's why – and I know for me, sometimes it's just repeating that. Take the shock value out of it. Take the shock value out of it. And then I can look at the situation and say, hey, this is family life. Mm-hmm. This is parenting. This is being – that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. This is normal. No big deal. And once I kind of repeat the mantra two or three times, it's, well, let's let's yeah. solve this. Let's work this out a little That's bit. That's kind of – in therapy, they always call it uh, to normalize. So you just right. you just normalize it. Oh, that's normal. Yeah, it, and it that's is. That's normal behavior. These I mean, are normal I mean, things. It's a little extreme, but that's normal. Right. So just – and it's really cool, I guess, because then it's if, – if you're not shocked by it, then you either have to solve it right. and adjust to it or um, – and, and, and I guess – Adapt. Right. And if families, and you mentioned this earlier, if we're not willing to adapt and change, our families staying stagnant actually hurts us. Yeah. So we, we need to take that shock value out. We need to say, you know what, this situation takes some adaptation, some new negotiation skills, and then go for it. And watch as your family grows stronger because you're not shocked that there'll be differences, right? <laughs> now, before we even get to those differences or all of those things, the shock value and, and this and that, we've got to know who our family is in the first place. Right. And that comes down to your own family identity. This is based on values. This could even be based on an, you know, an athletic event or a sport that your family loves. Right. But if we can tie our families to an identity, it builds a strength that when we face differences, we again have a foundation. And connect to an identity. Okay, right. so we're going to have to come back and I I want you to teach us how we connect 
everyone's hearts and minds to an identity. To that identity. And I guess that's then going to help us learn to handle the difference. So, sure. so when they go off and do something a little bit more extreme, when they stray, you you can use this identity sure. to the, help bring them back. To help bring them back. And they'll come back because yeah. they know where they, they belong. They know who they are. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. Again, uh, we're talking with Hadge. You're soaking in it. And we are soaking it in, my friends. More with Heather Ann Johnson from BYU and FamilyVolley.com right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody. I love this song, Philip Phillips. This is a good one. Don't you love this, this song? This is a great song. Okay. Pump it up. Pump it up, James. Mm. Oh, I love it. And by the way, how appropriate is this? Because we have Heather Ann Johnson in the house. A.K.A. Had you're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. But also, um, Philip Phillips is now having a legal battle with American Idol. Ooh. Because American Idol draws a really strong contract around you. Uh, you know, in days of old, it was called um, slavery. <laughs> it was really bad. I mean, it's a tough, tight contract, and they pretty much own you. And Philip Phillips is tired of being owned. So he is suing American Idol. Now, what they should have done is listen to the show. And we would have saved Philip, if I can call him that, and American, if I can call them that, a lot of money. Because First name basis. Hadge could have helped them because they are divided. They have a division. They have differences they have of differences interest. Conflict of, of interest. interest. A conflict. There we go. And Hadge is teaching us. Hadge, by the way, also Heather Ann Johnson has a website, familyvolley.com. Go check it out. She has a book, Family Fun Fridays. She has a family, five kids. She's incredible. 13 years of wedded bliss. It has been. It has been. It but has under been. your breath, she said, oh, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, you may not have noticed it, but people could hear that. <laughs> Loud and clear. Loud and clear. No. But, I mean, it never is like, you know, it's never idyllic. You just have to... Well, life's Learn. not perfect. We'd no. have to be perfect. But it's been pretty gosh darn good. Really? Yes. And he's a good man. He's a good, he's a great man. He's a fantastic man. He is. We keep one-upping each other. Yeah, we do. It's okay. That's great. He can get better and better. I like that. Well, who can't? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and by the way, um, Heather's now going to teach us. So every once in a while, you will have one of your children stray. Right. They'll, they'll move away. Right. They, or they'll do something. They'll go against your values. They'll go against your interests, traditions that you've taught them. Right. You may have raised them in a belief system, and sometimes they'll just They might stray. not like it so much. They may they, not like right. it. Right. They make different decisions right. than maybe we love, right? No, and we're not talking like a, like a major like thing that might be an addiction. I mean, that right. could – but they might go do drugs. But, sure. You know, but the addictions are bigger. We'll talk about that another day. Right. And, th- I mean, technically this can apply to those things mm-hmm. because it's, it's a lot of safeguarding, and that's great. Right. But at the same time, you can naturally take a little bit stronger, I don't know, uh, you're going to work a little bit harder in a little bit different ways if there's some of those bigger choices. Yeah, you have to play hardball. Right, right, right. Yeah. So if we have children or when, because 
with varying degrees, we're going to have a child who at some point, even if it's for one day, decides to talk back, right? Oh, or decides to – Hold it. One day. Right. And so it doesn't matter how great the kids are yeah. or how big or small. There's going to be these differences. There's, there's going to be some strain sure. a little bit. So the first thing we want to do as parents is we want to make sure that from the get-go or from today, if they've, you know, you've already had them, that your expectations are very clear. A lot of times the straying happens because our kids get confused because they don't know what's expected and they don't know what consequences result from those expectations. Whenever kids get confused, it creates an instability and will lead them in directions that we might not love so much. So it's like it's like think if we weren't clear of where we were supposed to be. Right. You could end up. 50 places. Right. Or if, you know, a police officer knocks on your door to tell you you did something wrong and you're going to jail and you think, well, I didn't know there was a law against that or I didn't know that was wrong. Yeah. So kids feel that same way even as they get into their teenage years. So let's make expectations clear so that if they're going to stray, they clearly know what that looks like and what the consequences look like on the other end, opposed to broadsiding them with, "Ah, I didn't like that. You shouldn't have done it. Well, I I could see that, um, for example, if your child – you may not have ever overtly said to your child, you you are not – we are not going to let you drink. There's no drinking. You're not going to drink alcohol. Right. You can choose when you're an adult, but in this home, you're not going to drink alcohol. I can see that people never really say that. Absolutely. We just assume they got it because we don't drink. Right. And what we don't say even more is if you do drink, this is the consequence for making that choice. That's great. Right? So we have to even take it a step further. We can tell them all day what not to do. Right. But if they don't know what the result is, then they'll still, right? Those choices are right. still going to be made and the, their way. And I guess the consequences don't always have to come from me. You, no. You'll be grounded right. and put in your room. But right. it could just be also you're going to lose trust with your friends. Right. Other parents aren't going to want their kids to be around you, whatever. And those are the natural consequences. Yeah. And it's our responsibility as parents to inform them of those natural consequences as well as the family consequences that might incur, right, as a result of your choices. Now, the other thing we don't want to do is when our children start to stray or make these decisions, we don't want to change our value system or our Uh, family's belief system to accommodate them. Yeah, like, oh, that was just once. Right. Or what we do as parents is, you know, it's tricky. You get embarrassed. You don't want to admit maybe that your children have chosen a different path or that there's a struggle, right? When someone says, how are things... You don't want to be the one that says, well, our son's failing school and our daughter tried, you know, drug. Yeah. We don't want to be that parent, right? Because we we feel that it's really a representation of us and it makes us look bad. Mm -hmm. So as a result, we have a tendency to sometimes change our value system to accommodate the the poor choices they might be making. Sure. We don't want to do that. Instead, we really want to seek out the inspiration, whatever that looks like for you, to dig down deep enough to find ways to work with them that still stays within your value parameter. Okay, help me with this one because I see this a lot with – okay, so let's say your child uh, is gay. Okay. Not your value system per se. You don't don't get it. You don't don't understand it. You're religious. You believe it can't coexist. Right. So I have a lot of people that I see that can't discern. Like they think, well, I can't accept they're gay, except their value system says we love and accept everyone. Okay. So what 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 advice do you give those families? So the very first thing is you have to separate the behavior from the person. Yeah. And you have to think in your head, what is the behavior? And that's what the behavior is. And who is this person? Yeah. If you can separate them, then you can still enable or enact your values with the person sure. 
but not with the behavior. Yeah. Right? And you could just disagree with the behavior or wish it were something else right. and still live a value of I love you. You'll exactly always be right. my child. Because think about the oxymoron if you don't, right? I mean, Here you've raised them that's right. and that's where it gets tricky. But mm-hmm. you've raised them and your value system is you know, love and faith and supporting – and those are your values. Yeah. But then when they need it the most, we bail on our values. Oh, that's right. Right? See, that's a great – I see. that's what I'm seeing is re- good religious people are bailing out right. on, on, those values. The, on those values in right. that situation. And then all of a sudden th- th- that whole uh, – that whole um, – that whole little group, that cohort of people are sitting there thinking, well, I don't want to be Christian right. if that's what Christian is. Right. And you can see the repercussions. You can also see then what you're teaching your other children and family members it's and true. the message you've just conveyed to that child who has strayed from your values and belief system. Yeah. Now, we have to recognize, again, too, that the choices that they make also need to be separated from who we are as parents. It is natural that our children or maybe our spouses might make choices that are different from what we believe. It doesn't mean always that we've done something wrong or that we didn't teach them. But when we hold the guilt in, again, that word paralysis or paralyze is very powerful. When we constantly hit ourselves with guilt, we become paralyzed. We then can't reach out to help or support or love or do anything That's because great. we're constantly harboring the guilt. So important to discern that. Right. To You've keep got this those guilt, separate. this shame. Good. Right. We've got to keep those things separate. A couple other things too. You know, we have a tendency when our children stray to automatically withhold love. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, we do it with children when they're small. You know, a child who's just thrown a temper tantrum and we're had enough with them and they run up to us and want a big hug. And the thought is, hey, I I don't want to hug you. You just embarrassed yeah. me in the middle of the store. It's taken me two hours to get you to stop crying. <laughs> the last thing you know we're thinking is, oh, sure, let me. Give me some sugar. Right, right, right. And so we want to make sure that we never, there is not a single circumstance oh, yeah. where we withhold our love. You always step toward. Always, always, always. And that is any time, especially if they're going to come our direction. We never, ever take that step back, like you that's said. so powerful. So it's really important because that's what we tend to do. As soon as they stray, we take it personal, we feel guilty, and we back away. Love that. So we've got to, like you said, take that step in, which is really powerful as a visual if we think that way. You know, a couple other things when kids stray, we... We've found through research that children or the most common complaint from children who rebel is that their parents don't understand them because they don't listen to them. Yeah. Now, if you look at that and you look at the fact that research suggests it and it's coming right from rebellious children, that should be a huge light bulb for us, right? Yeah. LED going off in our head that we've got to take more time to listen. And even if you have... Right. But they think you haven't. It's the same thing. It's the exact same. And that thing. goes back to that whole the the, the whole Christian anti gay mm-hmm. thing. If they feel like they haven't been heard and understood, and we don't really hear and understand it, right? It's all the same thing. It doesn't matter. And Their no one's interpre- going to be moved, and no one's going to feel cared right. for. Right. Their interpretation is the exact yeah. same. So we have to make sure that there's time for that. Now, just like you said, it's their perception, and that's what gets so tricky in families because it's all about that perception. It is. It is. And reality, you know, sometimes my husband and I will talk, and he'll perceive something a certain way because of how he was raised and things he's seen, and it's so far from what I meant when I delivered the message right, exactly. that, you know, yeah. he says, well, this is how I, I received it. Yeah. And I say, well, that is not what That's I said. That's not what I right? meant. That's right. And children feel the same way. So we have to not just make the time. But we actually have to hear until we understand. That's great. It's great advice. And that's 
a lengthier process. That doesn't just mean that while we're multitasking, we, you know, yep, sure, great, oh, good. That that does nothing, right? That is not hearing to understanding. And, and how? Okay, so check it out. There's a sign I'm, I I see. You know when the, when you're understanding because mm-hmm. something changes in right. you and them. It's exactly what right. What would we look for? Well, there's that connection, and you can see it in body language. Uh-huh. You can see it in response. People relax, right? You can see it in all of that. You can also see because when they feel heard truly heard, yeah. they'll come back for more. That's right. Right. And they'll continue. And they'll, they'll they kind of get off their point too. Mm-hmm. Like they give up, like they don't have to defend their point if they're feeling understood. I got, you got it. You got me. Yeah. And so they can either move on or else expand because they know you understand so that they can continue Isn't on that, that path. Isn't that interesting? Because you see that in every debate that goes on in society, Republican, Democrat, mm-hmm. President NBB right now, President Obama, everyone that fights, right? there's just, you don't feel understood. You don't feel accepted, so you can see the tension. They just keep yapping, and it keeps at one you another. polarized. And then eventually, when somebody gets it, right, then you can start creating discussion, yep. dialogue that they can start talking about. And people it. relax, right? And That's we huge. see that in our children, yeah. And we will see that if you know on Tuesday they feel heard, they're much more likely on Wednesday to come right back mm-hmm. to that conversation. So when parents say, you know, our kids don't talk to us or they don't want to communicate, it, it really is coming down to the fact that we're not providing a situation where they feel like they've been heard. Yeah. So why talk? Right. And we feel that way. Why waste my breath if yeah. you're not really listening? Right. Right. And kids kids are so smart. They know that. They know. We all are have built in. We and, know those emotions. And so think about that. If, so if I'm creating all that tension, you're going to pull away, right. which is why – which is – May have been why they they went away anyway. In the first place. So if we step towards them and then understand them, then we release the tension and then they can come back, mm-hmm. which was our goal anyway. In the first place. But they may not be able to come back as we intended or as we thought. Right. But, they, but we can now feel comfortable and in a safe space with each other. Right. And if we're working to understand and actually hear them, we'll be very accepting, right? We're back yeah. to our values of however they choose to come back. And so, so that's cool. really important. You know, the last one, too, as we kind of finish things up, is the need to help our children build a self-esteem. Yeah. I know there's two camps on this. You know, there's a whole camp that says parents shouldn't intervene with building self-esteem. I am completely on the other side. Well, how? who else is going to? It's exactly uh, right. Sony? Right. <laughs> I mean, who else really? is going to do that? But the thing is, children rebel because they have such strong feelings of self-doubt and not being accepted and not feeling competent enough in anything mm-hmm. that they seek out or they act out in, in ways yeah. that go against those belief systems. So we have to help them feel competent in something so that they feel of worth. And that is building a self-esteem. And that will help immensely. Well, and part of that just seems like knowing you're loved. You always will be. You're safe and sound in this family. You will always have your spot. Always here. And that's back to identity and belonging mm. and the powers behind that. Hadge, you did it again, my friend. You did it again. Good and stuff. And we're still soaking in it. <laughs> you're soaking in it. <laughs> Heather Ann Johnson's her name. Go to her website, familyvolley.com. So much there. So many uh, great lessons to learn from. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap the show up. And uh, Heather's going to stick around with us, I believe. Yep, I'll be here. We'll continue to soak in that. And Sean's going to teach us eight reasons to make time for your family dinner. And I, don't, I think only one of them is to eat. <laughs> More right here on the Matt Townsend Show after this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends. Going to wrap up the show, tie a nice big bow on top of it, and uh, and then, again, give it to Sean O'Neill for his semi-centennial birthday that comes up this Sunday. Celebrating 50 years on this great earth. Sean O'Neill. Well, the funny thing is, is my, my mother is 20 years older than I am, and she had no problem turning 70 last month or this earlier this month. Oh, oh, 70. Yeah, she hit 70. Yeah. So we, we celebrated. Yeah. But she cannot get over the fact that her son is turning 50. I mean, that's I can't get over the fact that my producer is turning 50. Well, sorry. It's kind of scary. I've got years before <laughs> I'm going to hit yeah, that. Sure, yeah. But anyway, what, what you got for us today, Sean? Oh, well, eight reasons to make time for family dinner. And I think these are very good reasons. Well, and who by needs the way. to make a reason? Well, you just got to eat. Besides, but there's more reasons than just eating. Okay. Because sometimes you'll just sit around the table and it'll be very silent. Mm-hmm. You'll hear the crickets in the background and every, or you'll just hear the munching going on around <laughs> the table. But one reason is that your kids might actually learn to like vegetables. What? There was a, a survey in 2000 that found that 9 to 14-year-olds who ate dinner with their families most frequently ate more fruits and vegetables and less soda and fried foods. Really? Yes. Unless that's what you're making them for dinner. Right. Well, right. that depends, yes. <laughs> that's good. That's great. But it's also a great setting. For new foods, yeah, to get you your kids to eat foods. more foods, yeah, that's right. Uh, they actually offered in 2003. It was a European Journal of Clinical Nutrition study. Offered pieces of sweet pepper and asked kids how to rate them, how much they liked it. Then each day for the next eight school days, they were invited to eat as much as the pepper as they wanted to, and then they rated it again on the final day. Well, they found out that exposure to vegetables uh-huh. will lead to actually eating of vegetables. Right. It's instead like, of it's instead like radiation, of the, kind of exposure <laughs> yeah. increases the likelihood of absorption, and, and of course, it helps there that the go. parents are eating vegetables too. Eight, That's true. Eight, they say eight to ten times. If you yeah. introduce a new food to a child ten times, they'll go from "I can't stand mm-hmm. it" to "I'll eat it." Uh, uh, if actually, you actually put whipped cream on it, it <laughs> yeah. only takes one ranch time. dressing. Actually, I've ranch, heard cheese. Yeah, ranch dressing. Cheese is not bad. Cheese either, helps so. too. But ranch, no, my daughter's favorite or whipped cream. My Teriyaki daughter's favorite sauce. food is Brussels sprouts. One of my daughters. Seriously. That is awesome. crazy. Number three, you control the portions. Yeah. 40% yeah. of a food budget is spent on meals outside of the home, and we know what portion sizes are outside of the oh, home. Oh, yeah. So uh, if we're presented with more food, we're probably going to eat more food. That's right. So it'll help weight loss. Mm-hmm. You'll decrease the expansion of the stomach. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four, healthy meals mean healthy kids. Yeah. If you're eating more healthy, obviously you're going to be more healthy. And kids that eat with their families um, uh, very frequently, they're less likely to be depressed or consider suicide or develop eating disorders. Because they'll have a place to talk. Exactly. And they get better grades. You might, you might, you know, when a child is depressed, you might even be able to use your dinner table as kind of an intervention, is what they say. Yeah. And it's every, I mean, really. You don't have to do anything special, just have dinner. The hard part is if they're depressed, they may not come to dinner. Well, no, you bring them to dinner. You can, or you you can still pick them up. Them. And, yeah, <laughs> just take everyone up in their room. There you go. So family dinners might help kids do the Nancy Reagan thing and just say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids who eat dinner at least five times a week, it drastically lowers their possibility of smoking, drinking, and using drugs. That's great. If you're, if you're eating fewer than three meals a week with your family, you're three and a half times more likely to have abused prescription drugs or have used illegal drugs other than marijuana, and two and a half times more likely to have smoked, and one and a half times more likely to have tried alcohol. But it's such, it's such a simple thing now, isn't it? I mean, it's, exactly. it just is to just to have a dinner. 
Mm-hmm. And it, again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but nope. have a dinner. Better food means a better report card as well. That's number See, six. Hadge jumped the gun on that there one. There you go. Better grades. That's right. 20% of teens who eat with their family less than three times a week get C's or lower on their report cards. Really? Yeah. And nine, only 9% of teens who eat frequently do that poorly wow. in school. That's great. Number who, seven. Who would have thunk all this? I don't know. Actually, I think you do. Probably. Ash. That's what she studies. <laughs> so how about how about it's a stress reliever as well? This was actually BYU research. Okay, but I have an in issue in two thousand eight because it actually seems to induce stress no, no, on no, my well, family. Just a minute, okay. just a minute. Uh, Brigham Young University researchers in two thousand eight actually studied IBM workers and found that sitting down to a family meal helped working moms ah, reduce tension and sure. strain from long hours at the office, but it wasn't as pronounced with dads. It's effect. interesting. Obviously, moms probably so, have a lot of like weird guilt maybe that <clears throat> mm-hmm. they were working and then they've got to come home and let's get this. And th- now they're serving their family. Plus, but then they, they sit handle, down. They handle the chaos yes. usually a little bit better. What are you saying? I, the truth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like wow. that. And to, also – Don't you think – Way to shoot don't, don't you think, below the belt. <laughs> don't you think – no, Hey, totally. you started no, it. No, they totally do. Don't you think there's a little bit – Oh, yeah, yeah. We handle – I think – I think you naturally – we have built in to handle yeah. a little that the mm-hmm. chaos or the yeah. noise a little bit. We call there. it killing time. There you go. <laughs> so in 2007, an average household spent $2,668 on meals outside the home. How much? 2000 2668 Wow. Okay. Now, if you look at the fact that that's only about 30% of your meals that you're spending on, yeah. that means you're spending $8 per meal outside of your home. Whereas if you're spending $3,465 on meals at home annually, you're only spending about $450 for a meal made in your own kitchen. Mm. So you can save money as well. Mm -hmm. I didn't know our meals cost that much. Yes. Do they cost that much? Mm -hmm. Uh It's good to know. (laughs) It's expensive. That's really good to know. Um, Great lessons. Thank you. So we're all committed to – have more family meals. Yeah. Well, and even a, a bad day at the dinner table is still better than not eating together. That's usually. right. And for James, uh, roommates. There you go. Yeah. Have a roommate meal. <laughs> Did you just say ew? That's what I heard. <laughs> Maybe. Ew. You just said ew. Let's You'd... just say I'm excited to get married so I won't have... Uh... Oh, those are great meals. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember eating like... Charcoaly little biscuits. Mm. Good and stuff. Thinking, with like, your roommates? Yeah. Before you married? <laughs> no, with my wife when we got married. And it was like, mm, you know what? This charcoal this is, is great. so good. Our teeth were you black. You did a great job, honey. And honestly, they tasted so great. Really? Is that too much information? You were sharing mm. them with someone you love. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You can you could eat charcoal if it's with someone you love. There That's you right. Go. Well, Hatch, thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's always good to be here. Hey, uh, if you were turning 50... Uh, what would you, what would you want? What would I want? I think I'd want to go somewhere with my husband. I think that'd be fun. Like? Like a trip. Yeah, like Branson, Missouri. That's well, where they all go. Not so much Branson, maybe, but. That's where, that's where the seniors go. You know, <laughs> the seniors. Oh. And you could, you know, let's go to Florida. Is it 50 the new 40? <clears throat> Well, that's what it's they the say. It's the new 30. The new 30. Oh, there you but go. You're also According get, to my wife. Sean is celebrating his semi-centennial, 50 years. You'll get your AARP card. Yeah. You'll start getting, you know, you can start sharing your meal with Cindy. Mm-hmm. My, well, my, she's already told me I'm getting old, so. 
You, yeah. Can you already – you don't get senior citizen discounts no, yet. No, not that, nope, not, yeah. not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're proud of you. We can't we, – we, we don't want to make fun of it because, you know. Yeah, we, sure we're just, you don't. Honestly, at this age, we're just grateful to have you. <laughs> oh, we, we just don't want the repercussions when we turn 50. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I wanted to make sure we did, uh, and James has got it already, we have a song. Okay. That we're going to just leave on this song. Uh, before we do, let me give you one happy quote. A happy family is but an earlier heaven. George Bernard Shaw. Family life. It's heaven on earth. And it helps you grow older. Faster. Faster. Uh, and, Sean, happy birthday. Happy semi-centennial. Here's the great uh, theme song for Sean's birthday. We're out of here. Take care, everybody. Till Monday, be good. <laughs>